you flexed after yeah. winning a Mario Kart race. Yeah, I won. The irony of two religious schools playing in Sin City is 100% worth it. Yes. Listen, Sin City has become more, uh, you know, family-friendly over the years. Still not completely family This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Joining us now over Zoom is former BYU quarterback and standout Riley Nelson. He's the current BYU football radio analyst alongside the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, and he's ready to talk BYU at Utah State. But not before we address the fact that Notre Dame is back on the schedule. BYU is going to take on the Fighting Irish in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium on October 8th of 2022. Riley, it essentially finalizes the 2022 schedule, so... How do you feel about the entirety of that rundown now that Notre Dame is in the mix in October? I love it. I feel I feel how I feel about this schedule coming into the season. Now what what you kind of need, what we're experiencing here in the 2021 season is the teams on the schedule have to do their part, right? And BYU's doing their part in that they're beating them. They're 4-0, but uh, those teams have underperformed, so it's hurting the strength of schedule. Uh, I feel as optimistic going into the 2022 schedule as I do about the 2021 uh, as far as the strength of schedule. And if BYU does their part, that that schedule should hold up to put BYU in a position for some, you know, for some notoriety and some postseason or bowl season success. And to have Notre Dame on there, I think, is the perfect capstone on what was a very strong schedule. What was the best and worst part of playing at Notre Dame in 2012? Oh, man. Worst part, obviously, was that we had our chances to win and didn't. Uh, we were got down into the red zone in the fourth quarter, down three. Uh, we had a missed opportunity at a touchdown, We and then we missed a field goal to tie it. And even just the nature of how they even got up on us anyway, our defense was playing great. Offense was playing good, not great. Obviously, we didn't. We lost 17 to 14, so we didn't put a ton of points, but we were controlling the ball. We were putting together long drives. Uh, keeping their offense off the field and how they anyway, Jeremy, you're getting me. <laughs> I'm going to give you a whole recap here, so I better stop myself. The best part was <laughs> the best part was obviously you know growing up as a football fan, watching Rudy as a rite of passage, and to actually realize oh it's not just a movie set, it's a real place with real people and a real team. Uh, to be able to be at one of the because not every college player gets that experience to say that they went into South Bend and and we're able to compete against Notre Dame. And uh, so to be able to have that as an experience for the rest of their life is probably the best part. All right, let's talk rivalry football. Friday night at Maverick Stadium under the lights in Logan, Riley. Have you BYU. been there before, Riley? <laughs> have you been to that stadium? <laughs> uh, once or twice. <laughs> yeah. You, look, you understand the rivalry dynamic between the Cougars and Aggies probably better than most people in the world. What is it that makes this rivalry unique, let's say, compared to BYU's rivalry with Utah? Well, I think what makes it unique is where and, – and this adds – it adds a different element of it, where Utah and BYU has always been seen as, as maybe twin brothers or, or like peers, right? There are two competitors who, are on the, who have always been viewed as the same level. Now, Utah has tried to separate themselves and say now that they're in the P5 conference, they're not. But obviously, 
you know, there was a few years there where that was the case. They had that P5 distinction. BYU doesn't no longer. So it's back on a level playing field. Utah State has always, since they were left out of the whack, right, they made a big lobby. We're talking about conference realignment. It's nothing new. Back in I, back in the 70s when the WAC was created, Utah State was left on the outside looking in. It changed the dynamic there. The other thing uh, that is interesting is there's brutal history for, for Utah State that's been somewhat remedied in the last 10 years. So whereas Utah BYU is one that has been, you know, just humming along for the, for the last 30 years as being fairly competitive and fairly back and forth, Utah State BYU was extremely lopsided for the better part uh, you know, of a century, um, but is now being six and four in the last 10 games has been rekindled. Utah State has positioned themselves as a top G5 program that's able to recruit top talent. They put, for being a G5, they put a lot of guys in the NFL. Obviously, they had a little bit of a lull bringing back Gary Anderson, but now that they've got Coach Anderson, you know, and, pre, and prior to that, Matt Wells, they're able to um, hire and put these up and coming coaches in a great position. And uh, anytime that BYU travels up to Logan, anything can happen. It provide it's a really intimate atmosphere. You know, the fan. One of the things for the fans to look out for is always uh, USU has had their student section behind their sideline on that east sideline. They've swapped it now to where they've put USU uh, alongside the season ticket holders, and now the visitors will have uh, the fans behind them and. and from the sideline to the front row is only 14 feet. So BYU will be packed in there and the whole, you know, havoc of the student section in Maverick Stadium will be raining down upon them. I'm excited to see how BYU is going to deal with that for the first time since 2019. Because even though, you know, they played a neutral site, that was really a, a home game. So this will be the first time they're really in a hostile environment, which is a challenge you relish as a player. Yeah, it's so shallow on, on in different parts there that for countdown to kickoff, I'm not even sure we're going to be on the sideline. Like it's very narrow, and uh, frankly, some good gamesmanship to to have the herd right there. The Scotsman's going to be flying. It's going to be crazy. Okay, we know what BYU is, but tell us a little bit more about Utah State because they get a really nice, dramatic late win at Washington State. That makes you think, hey, that's that's a game BYU can go and win. They go three and zero. Uh, you know, comeback wins against uh, you know North Dakota and Air Force, and then really got got it taken to by Boise State, but out yarded Boise State, just couldn't complete uh, red zone finishes. So, what do you think of the Aggies this season? So, offensively, and uh, actually off air, I'll, I'll share a little bit um, that in our post game interview with Coach Satake, I was kind of talking some X's and O's with him. And I, one of the things that the fans to look out for is the wide receiver split. So they run a really innovative, Utah State runs a really innovative offense. Blake Anderson comes from Arkansas State, where he had a ton of offensive success. Um, and so I was actually, and one of the biggest unique things that they do is their wide receivers are split way out wide. What this allows them to do is have a very clean block, clean box for running plays. It, it, you don't have these players that can split the difference between covering a receiver and helping on the run. Most of the time, their closest receivers are outside the numbers where most of the time you'll maybe see a receiver get to the top of the numbers. Utah state has one receiver on the numbers and one receiver even outside. And that allows them to do a couple of things. 
allows them to do some interesting thing in attacking the middle of the field and attacking vertically on the edge. But everything starts with the run with them. Uh, they've used tempo, how they got back into that Air Force and eventually came back and won that Air Force game was using tempo uh, in, the run, in the run game to move the ball. So they are explosive offensively. I'll be interested to see how uh, BYU handles that, especially coming off of a performance that, while it was good enough, Post game, nobody really was happy with against South Florida. So that'll pose a unique challenge defensively. Uh, you know, it seems like they cycle these guys through. It was Woodward. Uh, it was Nick Vigil prior, even back when I was playing, it was Bobby Wagner. They've got another tremendous middle linebacker and a kid named Justin Rice, who's a transfer from Fresno, who leads the Mountain West in tackles. He's one of the top tacklers and playmakers uh, in the country. He's got forced fumbles. He's got an interception. He's really the heart and soul of that defense. Um, they are going to be under Utah State will be undersized compared to BYU's, uh, you know, front five up front. So we'll see how they how they meet that challenge. But I think BYU or I think Utah State's blueprint for BYU will be um, to do what they weren't able to do against Boise, and that's finish drives and do their best to keep the ball away through racking up yards through the ground and the air with a unique set of formations and plays. Former BYU quarterback, current radio analyst Riley Nelson, with us on BYU Sports Nation. The biggest question mark for BYU going into Logan is obviously who's going to start at quarterback? Is it going to be Jaron Hall? Will he be healthy enough? Or does Baylor Romney, after a very solid performance against USF, 300-plus yards, 20 of 25 passing, three touchdowns, no turnovers, does he get the nod in Logan? But let's take that question one step further, Riley. Does it even matter for BYU right now who starts at quarterback in Logan in terms of their ability to win this game? Spencer, I, I'm glad that you brought that second point of the because I was going to say, yeah, it's the biggest question, but I think it's the most immaterial because whoever's whoever they trot out there, whether it's Baylor or it's Jaron, the offense is going to be able to produce enough to get the win. I think the bigger question for BYU is a lot of the guys that they were missing against South Florida or that went out with, you know, bumps and bruises against South Florida. We know Kalani said that nobody, you know, should be missing extended time, but will that defense that struggled in the second half of that South Florida game be able to recover both from a health standpoint and then also from an execution standpoint to meet the challenge of being on the road against a, a really a high octane offense in Utah state. So uh, for the, as far as the quarterbacks go, I, I've got faith in both of them. And I think that the offense maybe looks a little bit different. I normally don't love the gamesmanship of, of being coy about who will play because I don't think it makes a difference, but I do think Baylor is much more of his strength is much more of being a distributor, right? Getting the ball in the, getting the ball in the hands of the many talented playmakers that USU has Jaren's is more of the offense runs through him, whether it's making decisions in RPO situations or having a strong, you know, QB centric run game mixed in with, you know, a solid passing game. So I do think that that would both, I do think uh, keeping it under wraps probably gives them a slight advantage in that if I'm Utah state, I'm preparing differently for the two quarterbacks depending on, on them. So I think we won't find out until shortly before game time, if not in the first series. He just blows the cover and plays Jacob Conover, just totally off the radar. No, just kidding. We we've seen a half. Wild from, card. Yeah, that'd be wild, right? We've seen a half from both Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney at Utah State in 2019. That's the crazy thing with this matchup is it's it wasn't Zach Wilson. You know, he was hurt at that point. So either guy, it's going to be good. But um, 
What what is Utah State uh, outside of the unique offense you mentioned? What did they do that has you concerned? They are scrappy. And now you say this, and they just eventually ran out of gas, and Boise was good enough. But watching the the Washington State team, this is a team that. Uh, the last two years essentially lost all steam and all momentum, right? They had the great 2018 and then Matt Wells leaves to Texas tech. They hire back Gary Anderson who brought them out of obscurity, right? Gary Anderson is a, a demigod over there. He walks on water, but then came back and he wasn't able to put together the same staff. He was a decade older. Maybe didn't have the same energy. The dynamics around the program were not the same and they just floundered in 2019 and last year leading now to Blake Anderson. So you would think that like, you know what, these are going to be the old same go get them Aggies. They're going to go out and try their best, but you know, they'll probably, they'll likely fall short. And, uh, and this, the, the rebuild is going to take a couple of years because of how bad 19 and 20 were. Well, they come right out the gate and they get a P five road win, uh, you know, against they get a P five road win, which they haven't done in decades. And then they follow that up with their down big at Air Force, claw their way back, win that one in a shootout. So the biggest thing that worries me is in the third quarter, this BYU team has had a lull uh, in every in each of the four games. They've been able to overcome it, right? It's 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 come down. Every game has come somewhere in the late third to early fourth quarter. The opponent has made it a single score game, requiring that the BYU offense come back and answer. And they've been able to do that in each of those four, being that it's on the road, being that it's a hostile environment and being that Utah state has already been in situations where they have not only clawed their way back, but finished the job with comeback wins on the road. That is what worries me most is that this team believes that if they're, even if they're down and they get in a dogfight, if it's close in the second half, they're going to believe that they can finish the job. Uh, now BYU has proven that they can finish the job as well. But again, being in their house, it's going to be a little bit, it's going to be a challenge that BYU hasn't faced yet. So if anything worries me, it's that dynamic that this USU team really does believe that not only can they fight their way back into any game, but finish it winning it. Riley Nelson on BYU Sports Nation. We always appreciate the insight and uh, your expertise in the matters, Riley. We'll be sure to let you know what the Utah State fans say on the sideline to the BYU guys when we're down on the sideline, all right? Oh, I'm sure it'll be nice, friendly, just pleasantries. <laughs> we look forward to it. If it's to not, it. let me know. I know some people up there I can talk. We can, we can whip them in shape. Great stuff. All right, Riley, we'll see you in Logan. Thanks. You bet. See you guys. Riley Nelson on BYU Sports Nation. His point about first half, second half. So BYU right now is plus 56 in the first half, minus 21 in the yeah, second half. Yeah, no, that's, it, it's, that's a fantastic yes. insight. BYU's uh, plus 32 in the second quarter specifically. So that's been awesome. But yeah, in, in the third quarter, minus 13. In the fourth quarter, minus 8. Now, what's crazy about that is while they've had the lull, BYU has still not trailed at any point this season. Building leads that you can sustain through the end. Will BYU trail at any point in Logan? Let's see who gets the opening kickoff. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Good whip round presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Were you Jordan up on the sports table right there, <laughs> lifting him up? I may have been envisioning that, Jerem. You'll never know. But I do present this question to you, my friends, as we open up the whip. 
Will BYU cover as a favorite for the first time all season? They're a nine and a half point favorite right now. What do you think? I believe they will. I believe they will. I can see where it's a uh, you know Utah State cover, but a BYU win. But I believe BYU will cover. I think BYU's offense is too much for Utah State's defense. I do think that BYU have a bounce-back game on the defensive side of the ball and uh, play well. I do think the Aggies will put up some points and yards, but BYU ultimately will cover in this game by scoring in the high 30s. Yeah, I'm just looking at the history, again, going back to 2013 when BYU was a one-score favorite, 2015 a one-score favorite. 2019, a one-score favorite. BYU won by 17 and 13. They won by 23 in 2015, and they won by 28 in 2019. I like that trend to continue tonight. I think they will cover for the first time as a favorite. And typically when Utah State wins, something really, really bad happened with BYU in that game or that season, right? It wasn't just like a straight-up beat, like Taysom Hill gets hurt, or 2010, BYU is like 1-4. and four. BYU is a bad team at the beginning. This is a good BYU team. Um, I, don't, I don't see, you know, something dramatic happening tonight, but who knows, it's sports. Uh, will BYU trail tonight? Uh, probably, you know, maybe, maybe Utah State uh, gets some emotion going early in the game. The fans are going to be really into it. They ride that wave of emotion. Maybe Utah State scores first, but I, I think probably there's a, there's a point where BYU trails tonight. Yeah, and, I, and you know you've convinced me too. Now that I think about it more, I, I don't know that it's that big of a deal. Now if yeah. BYU gets down by double digits, then you watch out, Jerem. Then it could get really weird. Utah State's come back in all three wins by being down double digits. So I think even if BYU's up big and early, Utah State's going to feel confident. Hey, we've been here before, right? Boise State, though, I think. I think BYU is the best team that Utah State has played this year. I think BYU is better than Washington State and better than Boise State. It's pretty obvious with the ranking and undefeated. But they haven't seen a team like BYU's offense specifically quite yet. And uh, guess what? BYU is going to be better than Hank Bachmeyer. So looking forward to that game next yeah. week too. Yeah. <laughs> you had to get they had to get the Hank Bachmeyer Hank shot Bachmeyer, in there. I you love dog. it. Okay, next question as we transition to the NFL. Zach Wilson, unfortunately, has been sacked 15 times combined in his first three NFL starts. Will Zach Wilson be sacked five or more times this week at home against Tennessee, who, by the way, Tennessee has one of the worst defenses in the NFL through three weeks? I don't want to hear that. Uh, they won in Seattle, and Seattle was up 15 in the fourth. I don't want to talk about that. Um, <laughs> five times? Ugh. I'll say no. It's only four this week. Yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed that it's not five times. Like, I am answering, thinking of Zach just as a human being, wanting him to be, to be healthy. Like, I am hoping. This is, this is no logic. I'm just, I'm answering with hope in mind that Zach is not sacked five times. Yeah, even four would be an improvement, which is just wild. There are 17 regular season games. If the average continues, Zach is pacing to be sacked 85 times this NFL season. That is ridiculous. Please clean it up. No we five sacks. We want him to break records, but not that one. I want him to talk to David Carr and be like, how do you avoid sacks with the Texans? That was crazy. Man. Does uh, BYU women's soccer's conference title and NCAA tournament chances ride on tomorrow's match in Spokane against number 16 Gonzaga? I hate to be this dramatic early in the season because BYU still has Santa Clara on the schedule, and that is a potential season changer. And Pepperdine, yes. 
So I, I don't think ultimately the NCAA tournament chances ride on this game. But I am not opposed to thinking that if BYU doesn't beat Gonzaga, they don't win a conference championship. If they lose to Gonzaga, it's going to be a tough road to climb having to beat Pepperdine and Santa Clara to win a WCC title. So, yeah, the conference championship, I feel like, is very much on the line. Tournament chances, it's way too early to declare that. Yeah, amen. BYU is going to have a hard time winning the WCC. If you can't win at Gonzaga, who's much improved, by the way, shout out to Chris Watkins what he's doing with that group. But yes, BYU has quality yeah. wins. Uh, USC and Ohio State, and da, da, you know, there will be chances to get in the NCAA tournament. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. It is our absolute pleasure to welcome in one of the newest members of the BYU Athletic Hall of Fame. Jimmer Fredette is joining us over Zoom. Jimmer, I know it's been a few days since you were inducted into the hall. You were celebrated on Saturday night. Now that you've had the weekend to process it all, what's on your mind when it comes to being a Hall of Famer at BYU? Yeah, no, it's been, uh, yeah, it was a special weekend. I mean, uh, had a lot going on the weekend through my foundation. And then also with, uh, you know, being inducted into the hall of fame, I was, I was very busy and it was a great time. Um, you know, my family was all there, my sister and my brother and my parents, and obviously my wife and all of my in-laws, um, were all there. So, I mean, it was, everyone was together. I saw a lot of my former BYU teammates and coaching staff, um, so it just brought back a lot of great memories of me being at the Y. So couldn't have asked for a better weekend, a uh, special moment, and I'm grateful for the university for inducting me into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, pretty cool moment. Uh, there's a 10-year minimum, which I, I'm wondering if we still need that. Um, I almost wonder, <laughs> it's like, hey, just to get someone available in the fall, if you're playing professionally or whatever, but, which, by the way, let's just knock that out right now. Are you going to China this season? Uh, maybe I'm not sure yet. So yeah, it was reported that I was for sure going, but that wasn't exactly true. I'm not sure where that came from, but I have been talking with the sharks a lot. Um, you know, I won't be going over right now, um, or anything. I'm taking a little bit of time. Um, so whether I go back over to China with the sharks, um, you know, that could be a, a possibility as well, or it could be somewhere else, but, um, you know, I'm definitely talking with them and, uh, we'll see what happens. But right now I'm just enjoying being home too much. <laughs> understandably, especially since you've done the Chinese thing and they've been away from your family for just extended periods of time. Yeah, it's it's no surprise you're, you're enjoying being around your family. How do you balance yeah. not knowing what's going to happen in your professional career? How do you handle that mentally? Yeah, no, you kind of get used to it a little bit. I mean, I've been in this situation now for like six, seven years straight where it's just you're a free agent every summer and you're kind of just like, all right, what's going to happen. So at first when you're younger, you're kind of just, uh, you're worried about it every day. You're calling your agent every single day and you're just like, all right, well, what's going to happen? Where am I going? Who's calling me? Who's talking all of these, stuff, all of this stuff. And then, um, you know, as I'm going on later in my career, I haven't spoken to my agent in probably a couple of weeks, you know, just because I'm like, ah, what's going to happen when it's going to happen. You know, he's talking <laughs> with people and, and, uh, I know he's doing his work and I'm like, I'm not stressed about it at all. Um, I know I'm going to be somewhere I'll be, I'll find a really, really good spot. Um, but like you said, I just, you know, I was gone so long last year that it's just been such a great summer. Uh, I haven't been here in the fall. I don't think for 10 years. 
Um, so I'm enjoying the leaves changing and seeing some of the uh, some of the cooler days here in Denver um, and seeing some more BYU football. I've been to three games. I mean, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. I, I thought we'd talk about the Hall of Fame at the beginning here, but I have too many questions about just just basketball and everything else. <laughs> um, are you are you more comfortable being in a situation where you're going to get more minutes and more shots? versus like I know in Panathinaikos it's like very regimented you had like x amount of minutes and whatnot um what what's like what's the ideal fit for you because there's certainly like you know a certain amount of prestige playing in the EuroLeague and whatnot but there's also like the opportunity to have the autonomy in China and other leagues like that so kind of what what is your preference there yeah, they're both great. They're both different. I mean, for me, probably the best fit has been in China. I mean, with Shanghai, it's been an incredible five, you know, four seasons that I've had there. Um, you know, being able to win MVP and, and uh, having shoe deals and off the court is just way better. And, and all of this stuff, uh, as far as like money is concerned, off the court is way better. Um, you know, that type of stuff. So it's been a really great fit for me. I've been able to really go in and, and it just suits my game perfectly. They want me to go in and score and to be able to have the ball in my hands and make plays, whether it's given, um, you know, other teammates opportunities or, or scoring the basketball. And, and, you know, I've been able to handle it mentally and, and physically, which, you know, is not diff- not easy for a lot of guys to do. And, and EuroLeague was so fun to play. And I mean, there's just, you go to great cities, it's amazing living off the court, great food. Um, it's just a different t- style of play. Um, you know, for me, um, I'm, I'm definitely better with the ball in my hands being able to make plays, and I didn't get that opportunity quite as much in the EuroLeague. I think I would if I, you know, found a different team and, and found the right situation, and it would be really even better. But, um, you know, the, the China thing has just been so great for me and my family. I mean, um, you know, to be a, a star kind of over in China is – is pretty incredible and uh there's a lot of a lot of people over there so that uh, gets your name out quite a bit <laughs> jimmer for is with us on byu sports nation recently inducted into the byu athletic hall of fame it was fun to watch you and uh danny ainge kind of interact there in the press box if you can share with us what what was that conversation like with uh you know the other greatest to ever play at byu yeah, no, it's, it was very secretive. I mean, I mean, we can't, we can't reveal what we're talking about, you know, I mean, <laughs> no, it was, it was, uh, it was great. I mean, Danny's such a great guy. I've talked to him over the years. Um, you know, I, I leaned on him heavily in 2011 season, um, and beyond. And, uh, you know, just asked him how things were going. I know he's, he's around a little bit more in Utah, but also, uh, just asked him how Austin was doing. I played with Austin uh, a little bit, uh, when he was at BYU and, um, you know, see how he was doing his family. And, um, you know, he was asking about my career, how things were going, what I was doing next year, all these things. So, I mean, uh, yeah, it was good to see him. Um, you know, it's a great photo for people to see for sure, but you know, he's a, he's a legend and, uh, yeah, anything else beyond that? I can't tell you. <laughs> Jim Fournette, not revealing secrets here on BYU Sports Nation. <laughs> uh, when you look at um, BYU and the situation BYU Hoops is in, going to the Big 12, I know you talked about it on Countdown to Kickoff, but for those who missed it, that it's going to be the number one league in America. I mean, what an opportunity for BYU basketball right now, um, specifically in the Big 12. Football is going to be awesome too, but basketball, I think it's the big winner here, right, Jimmer? My goodness, it's uh, it's going to be unbelievable. 
I mean, the even the the so-called easy games are going to be extremely difficult. I mean, you when you're going to all these Big Twelve schools, you're you're going through a gauntlet of you know West Virginia and Baylor, Oklahoma State. It's unbelievable the uh, the amazing. Uh, arenas they're going to be playing at. Um, I know that excited about it, but I know he knows that. He also has his work cut out for him. Um, he's going to be out of town, and uh, I think it'll make it even easier to recruit guys now just being in the Big 12. People are going to want to come play in that conference. So I think it's going to help the school out both for football and basketball and all other sports across the uh, across the board. So I, I'm so excited for that. Jimmer Perdette with us on BYU Sports Nation. I, I'm kind of serious when I ask this. You <laughs> Have you considered a social media influencer career led by Trick Shot Tuesday once you're done playing professional basketball? Because it seems to be going pretty well for you, Jimmer. Yeah, it's going pretty well. I mean, uh, the Trick Shot Tuesday people love it. I always joke, I mean, I'm literally going to be known about by Trick Shot Tuesday no, more than anything else I do in my career. I, I really <laughs> no. believe that at some point. Get out of here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but um, no, it's been great. The kids love it, especially like my. I get parents coming up to me all the time, be like, "My kid was just watching your trick shot videos, you know, nonstop." So I, I'll definitely continue to do it. Um, who knows how far it'll take me? I do some basketball training videos, you know, on Instagram and TikTok as well, just to you know, just because I think it's fun to do, and I like to be able to share information, and it's an easy way to share information to to a lot of kids and, and people out there. So I'll keep doing it. We'll We'll see what happens with it, but uh, you know it's it's fun to do. I mostly enjoy it, and that's why I do it. Not necessarily because I, you know, want to do it for anybody else. I just think it's fun. <laughs> it's it's awesome, man. It's awesome, and uh, you don't even have to reveal Thank how many you. takes it took, right? Uh, which is super fun. Did okay? Yeah, just depend. I mean, sometimes it's sometimes it's less. Sometimes it's not much. Sometimes I'll get it in the first like five ten tries, and then other times it'll be couple hours you know what i mean it kind of just depends on uh it depends on the ball bouncing and and whitney's a saint whitney's the one that's uh you know out there filming it the whole time and if she doesn't catch it then um you know that's a problem so yeah yeah there's heck to pay okay big philosophical question as we've looked at how basketball has evolved and the game is played if you came a decade later are things different for you? Because I kind of look at obviously what happened with Steph Curry and now with Trey Young, sort of the evolution of uh, the guy with the ball in his hand who's going to have a higher usage rate. Did, did basketball evolve in a way where you were one of the precedent setters in that era, but if it was a decade later, maybe things are a little different? I think it would have been different for sure. Um, you know, I just think they allow that for that more in the NBA. Now, when I first came in, it was a little bit different where, you know, you were kind of like, all right, are you a point guard? Or are you a two guard? Which position are you going to play? Are you going to handle the ball? That type of stuff. It's a lot more positionless now. I think they're just looking for scores and playmakers and shooters and my ability to be able to, um, you know, spread the floor. I think if I came down and did a pull up three in transition at this point in the, in the NBA, then they wouldn't care. They would actually encourage it, um, encourage all that type of stuff. Whereas it wasn't quite like that when I first came out, it was changing a little bit, but not quite there yet. And, uh, but now it's, you know, exactly the way that I play is, is the way that the NBA has played. Um, so I think it would have been a little bit different, uh, um, who knows how it turned out? You never can speculate, but I definitely know that the the game is is definitely catered more to my uh, my talents. Jimmer, we've 
I mean, we're watching some of your all-time great we're, highlights. And we're busting out like the 07 yes, to 09 so, ones. so fun to watch the earlier stage, Jimmer, as a <laughs> yeah, freshman and sophomore. <laughs> Uh, I saw Chris Miles and Jonathan Tavern. Yeah, there, love it. Let, let's go. Love let's it. go. You know, JT was mad when you were taking all those shots, right? <laughs> oh, he was he was so mad. JT, <laughs> he, he puts up a front on um, on on Twitter on Twitter and everything where he's like, "Oh yeah, there's uh, yeah, there's there's no way." I mean, but he's he's in deep down inside. He's like, "I should have been shooting every shot." I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jimmer. Uh, it's so great to catch up with you. We, I mean, we wish you the most hearty congratulations again on being inducted into BYU Athletic Hall of Fame. It was my pleasure to be there and be a part of that and hang out with you and your family. And I finally met your sister, Lindsay. She's awesome. You pointed out that she kind of goes, yes. uh, she, she kind of gets left off the radar as your as your missing sibling. But uh, um, yeah, I just thought that was a really really yeah. fun experience overall. And uh, congratulations once again. Yeah, thanks, uh, Spence. I mean, like I said before, you did an incredible job. It was awesome to see you there. I'm glad you're you're feeling better and back. You guys are back together. You guys are the best there is. I love coming on the show, and you guys are doing great. And I need to get my – I have a BYU Sports Nation hat. I need to come get it signed by you both so I can put it up <laughs> in my office. That sounds fun to me. Yeah. I, I can't believe it's been 10 years, by yeah. the way, since you played at BYU. And, like, you, yeah. you, you showed up, uh, you know, me in 07. Either. I was a student at the time as well. Like it, Spencer had just uh, was about, about to graduate yep. two years later too. Yeah, crazy. It, was, it was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. All right, Un- my friend. Unbelievable. So it was. It's been. It's been a. It's been a fun ride. Stay safe. Be healthy in Denver. Enjoy plenty of family time, and uh, we'll be waiting and watching to see what happens in your uh, professional career. Thanks, Jimmer. No problem, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. We'll talk to you soon. You got it. He is a BYU Athletics Hall of Famer. Jimmer Fredette. And a BYU Taft. Sports James Nation Taft. Hall of Famer. We should start a BYUSN Hall of Fame. Yes. Like, it, it, it could include coaches. We, we should have, like, the, the Hall of Good, the Hall of Fame. We should have, like, certain, certain okay. enemies of the state. We need, we need to make lists. Okay, that's what we need and, like, to do. And, like, they can move depending on performance. This is the best of BYU yeah. Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Joining us now, the reigning individual national champion in the cross-country 10K, Connor Mance, joining us live over Zoom. Connor, great to have you back on the program, and congratulations on a quick start to your season here. Hey, thank you. Good to be, good to be back. Okay, so I know you're aware it's a rivalry week for BYU football with Utah State. And what many probably don't know is you hail from Cache Valley. So you probably understand the Utah State-BYU dynamic better than most. So what does this game and this week mean to you from a rivalry standpoint? Uh, this, this is probably one of my favorite games to watch for sure. Um, being from Cache Valley, I know all my friends and family are going to be cheering for Utah State. Everybody's going to be <laughs> like, all right, you know. We know Connor goes to BYU. We're going to forget about that for a minute. And they're all going to be at that. Uh, probably I'll be at the game cheering for Utah State. So um, I know. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Please finish your thoughts. Sorry. I was just going to say it's it's an exciting game because I remember when I was younger, Utah State wasn't wasn't ha- that great of a football team. And so my, my parents would actually um, have us go to the game and be like, 
all right, we just want you to see like a really good football team so you can go see BYU's team play. <laughs> this is what it's like. But then like, as I was starting to go interested in BYU, that's when Utah State and BYU started going back and forth with winning. And so it's been, it's kind of a, it's a fun rivalry for sure. Is there a cross country rival? Does BYU have a rival in these meets? I don't really hear a lot about that in terms of track and field and cross country and all that. Oh, definitely. We've definitely had a rival for the last uh, five years or so with um, Northern Arizona University. Uh, I think that was more so a lot of smack talk and that happened between one of their athletes and one of our athletes and um, just trying to, I don't know, us trying to dethrone them from the national title and eventually doing so and then them trying to um, get a national title back. But there's also rivalries with individuals. You'll see people who are like, I don't care if I'm first, I don't care if I'm 10. As long as I beat this person from this school, that's all that matters to me. I love that. Okay, let's talk about a recent matchup that you had with uh, another great runner, Wesley Kiptu from Iowa State, who's a four-time All-American and NCAA champion. What a finish in the final 300 meters. Connor, what's going through your mind when you know you're battling another elite-level runner like that coming down the stretch? So I, I knew that, you know, if, if we were together down like the last few hundred meters, it was going to be a tough, tough battle for sure. Um, I, I was really, the, the course is very hilly and had a lot of like bumps in the grass. And so I was just like trying to make sure that I was going as fast as I could, but also making sure I could get some good footing because you step in one like little pothole or anything like that and trip up or anything like he's going to pass you. So just trying to compete and make sure I, I passed him and held that lead. I love it. I love watching that. I love watching Connor win. My day just got better. Thank you for being awesome at running, Connor. <laughs> hey, thank you. <laughs> okay. Oh, you're welcome. Now, now with Mr. Kiptu, is, is that a rivalry? Is that one of those situations where you're like, hey, Wesley, I respect you. You're a good guy, but I've got to beat you. Is that one of those scenarios? Oh, for sure. For sure. I think um, last cross country season, it was like I had gone, I had gone undefeated for the winter and then he'd also gone undefeated and everybody knew he was going to be one of the the favorites and so it was like all right like this is this is the guy I'm I'm looking out for and I think it was such a hard fought battle in uh at the NCAA championship so it's like yes I respect him I know he's gonna be I know he's really good every time we show up to race each other but I want to beat him every time so much I love the competitive nature um again I know it's belated and we've already congratulated you a million times, but like congratulations again on just being this incredible ambassador for BYU athletics and cross country, winning a national championship. And we'll be watching and rooting for you the rest of the way. Thanks, Connor. Thank you guys. Connor Mance. The dude just runs fast, Jason. Yes, he does. Runs fast. And he enjoys it. And he runs far. And I'm tired. I get tired watching him. Mystery that he enjoys this. Yes. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Quarterback quid pro quo. BYU has two very accomplished quarterbacks that uh, could potentially start against Utah State on Friday night. Of course, Jaron Hall 
who won three Power 5 games to open up his sophomore campaign at BYU and suffered an injury and sat out against South Florida. Who knows if he's going to play on Friday night. In comes Baylor Romney, who all he does is win, Jason. Three starts, three wins, dating back to 2019. Most recently, he threw for 300-plus yards against, yes, a porous USF defense, but still stepped in, didn't turn the ball over, and got the win. So I ask you, going into Utah State, Jaron Hall or Baylor Romney, does it even matter at this point who starts against the Aggies? The quick answer is no, I don't believe it matters who starts a quarterback. And I think we've seen, and you alluded to it, we have seen more than enough evidence that Baylor Romney is a starting level quarterback in college football. Seriously, what has he done yes. to make anybody think yes. otherwise? Yeah, there, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that, that he is a starting level quarterback. And that is, that is a good thing to have for BYU to have two guys, your, your starter and your backup, that are both looked at as starters at, at the collegiate level. Now, let, let's not lose sight. The fact that Jaron Hall was named the starter. The coaching staff made the decision that in their minds, the quarterback that gives them the best chance to win is Jaron Hall. And I think that there are a couple of different factors in that, and we bring up one all the time. That's his, his athleticism in terms of running the ball. And we've seen that. It's not just running the ball. It's the breakaway speed in which he runs the ball. That is, an, that is a dynamic that you add that to an offense that we already know is good. It just takes it to the next level. So let's not lose sight. And Aaron Roderick said earlier in the week, if Jaron's healthy, he's going to be the guy. Yes. So we know that's the case. Nothing's changed in the hierarchy in terms of who the starter is and who the backup is. But we've seen Baylor Romney come through time and time again and excel, not just play well, but excel at, at the quarterback position. So I've seen enough out of this offense through both quarterbacks and what they've done that I'm not worried about the offense in terms of their ability to score, boi- score points and be productive yeah. regardless of who the quarterback okay, is. You want to know the biggest difference if Jaron Hall or Baylor Romney starts? It's in how the total yards are accumulated. If Jaron Hall is a starting quarterback against Utah State, you could anticipate a stat line of 230 passing yards, 65% completion rate, and BYU as a team runs for like 180 because Jaron Hall is going to rack up like 60 to 70 yards with his legs. So they'll have 400-plus total yards. It'll just be distributed differently with pass and run, because that's how his game works. And frankly, BYU needed Jaron Hall's legs to win the three Power 5 games. They were instrumental for his legs in those three Power 5 wins. So this is taking nothing away from Jaron Hall or his capabilities or his abilities to run around and extend plays because it's unbelievably effective. Baylor Romney, however, if you're looking at it from a stat perspective, BYU is probably going to, I don't know, as a team, run for 140 yards, 150 yards, and Romney probably passes for closer to 300 yards. The yards will be distributed differently, but I feel like the result and the offense overall will be equally as effective. It, it will be productive. BYU's offensive line will be physical. They will not back down from Utah State's defensive front. They will protect whoever the quarterback is. And I think that they will be successful. You said this to me yesterday, Jason. It's not about the quarterback now. It's about how BYU's defense responds after some question marks came up against USF with all of those injuries. Yeah, I'm at the point now where we know what the offense is. 
We know what the offense wants to do. We've seen it in with two different quarterbacks, slight adjustments. We even saw Baylor running a little bit. It wasn't certainly to the level of Jaron Hall, but they, they had Baylor moving a little bit against South Florida. So we've seen enough out of the offense to know the production is going to be there. And, and Baylor wasn't just good. He was great against South Florida. And I and you brought up the fact, look, it's not against the greatest defense, but I, I, I look at not just the total yards he put up, but I look at the throws that were right on the money every time. To the point where I even joked when he threw his first incompletion, I'm like, oh, apparently he is going to throw an incompletion today. Yeah. Like you wondered, because at, at a certain point, it was just completion after completion after completion. And Total command of the offense. So you go in and like you just know what this offense can do, and I don't think it changes. I think what you brought up is a fantastic point. Maybe the, the stat distribution is a little yeah. different. Yes. But in terms of the overall production, I do not expect a drop-off at all. No, so it doesn't matter who starts at Utah State. If it's Jaron Hall, BYU's offense will be productive. They will be hard to defend. Utah State will have fits trying to get Jaron Hall down in the backfield, and the Cougars will figure out a way to be successful. If it's Baylor Romney, the ball's going to come out quick. He's going to make good decisions. He's probably not going to turn it over, and that too is maddening to defend against. In fact, the BYU defense, talking with them during fall camp, said, yeah, Baylor's really frustrating to defend against because you take two steps and the ball's gone. Yeah. You know, and even when they run a deeper route and there's a five step drop or a seven step drop, the offensive line is experienced enough to give him time. And the ball's going 40 yards downfield to Baylor or to Gunnar Romney, rather, or Neil Pau or Keanu Hill or whoever. You know, they just can't get to the quarterback when it's Baylor. And if it's Jaron, they can't get to him because he's running around. Well, let's not lose sight on the fact that even regardless of the quarterback, you still have guys like Tyler Algier, and you oh, still yeah. have Lopini Katoa that, oh, you can turn to one side or the other and hand off to two guys that you know can pick up the yards that you need. Once again, pay attention to the trenches. If the Utah State defense is able to break through BYU's offensive line, things could get very interesting. BYU's offensive line feels like they're up to the challenge. They could be more physical than Utah State's defensive front. And then flip the sides. What can BYU with the hopeful return of Tyler Batty and Atunaisa Mahe joining that defensive line? What can they do to get pressure on Utah State's dual quarterbacks? Because they've got a couple as well. So it's it generally comes down to the trenches, right? Yeah. And, and that's where, look, BYU, its goal going into every game is to be the more physical and the more aggressive uh, side of the ball, whether it's offense or defense. That's, they should that have is their that goal. Mindset. And they absolutely, and not only should that be their mindset, the reason it should be their mindset is because they have the players to do that. Uh, they did it against Utah. They did it against Arizona State. Who, by the way, Arizona State was a way more physical team than I thought they would be. Significantly more than I expected. And a credit to BYU for matching that challenge. Our question of the day, Jaron Hall or Baylor Romney, does it matter who starts at Utah State? You've heard our initial opinions. We want to hear yours. Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Kevin Cunnell, PGA on Twitter. I hope you're enjoying some golf today, Kevin. Baylor was impressive last week, but a lot of his success was on deep throws. Jaron Hall gives BYU deep throws as well and is more versatile out of the pocket. No argument there. His versatility out of the pocket is absolutely advantage Jaron. Either one will work. 
but I'd start Jaron Hall. It may turn into a scoring fest. Now, here's the thing, and we don't know details about why Jaron Hall specifically didn't play, at least not public details, about why he didn't play against USF. How much time does he need to heal? Like, if he's 70%, do you say, you know what, 70% Jaron is good enough, I want him to play against Utah State, or do you hold him out and hope that he gets to, I don't know, 80 85% by Boise State or Gulp. If he can't play against Boise State, maybe even Baylor. That's the thing we don't know. Like That's the missing factor here, Jason. We don't know how healthy or not healthy Jaron Hall is. So in response to Kevin is, well, how healthy do you need Jaron Hall to be to feel like he has his full entourage of skills For, yeah. and his ability to run around without worrying about him getting more significantly injured. Yeah, and, and without knowing the factors that are being weighed into all of this in terms of type of injury and where he is from a percentage stand, is he, you know, 70%, 80%, without knowing all of those factors, it's very difficult to be able to gauge how that decision will be made. Sure. You want the guy to have his full, in this words for Jerem Jordan, accoutrement <laughs> Of abilities, right? If Jaron Hall cannot run around feeling like oh, I can get hit and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay, then he probably shouldn't play. And it's Baylor's game, right? You just and give all the reps and practices to yeah. Baylor Rami, let him prepare. But that's what's that's kind of the difficult part about this is, well, you want to be able to tell one guy, okay, you're the guy this week. But BYU is now having to balance this and try and figure it out. And that, that one is a little bit of a disadvantage to the Cougars because if you're constantly like, oh, I, I don't know, Jaron, are you good? Okay, if you're not good, then it's Baylor. Um, and Jaron wants to play. He's a competitor. Absolutely oh my he does. Goodness. Every, both of these quarterbacks want to be the quarterback. The balancing act there can be a little bit disadvantageous, but then in return, Utah State's got to prepare for both quarterbacks, so maybe it's a wash. Right? Yeah, look, even if, wash. even if you, even if there has been one quarterback that's taken all the reps this week, you don't have to say anything. It's gamesmanship. Yes, you, you don't want you don't need to you don't need to drop that information so that Utah State knows which quarterback well, to prepare for. They're so different <laughs> that it can be. You know, a little bit of. I have no. Pro- I have no problem. Sure, we'd all love to know, like right now, who the starting quarterback. Tell me, tell be. me, tell me now. I, now, I now. have no problem with BYU keeping that close to the vest, so that Utah State has to prepare for two guys. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. BYU-Notre Dame destination Las Vegas on October 8, 2022. You may have noticed this is not a home game that Notre Dame owed BYU per the contract that was set all the way back in 2010, but the game's happening. My question is for all of you, and for you, Jerem, specifically now, does the location of the BYU-Notre Dame game matter, or are you just happy the game got scheduled at all. No, I'm just happy it got scheduled. Um, th- this, as pointed out by our homie Mitch Harper from KSL, this was the first series that BYU announced of Independence, and the, now the last, uh, because it fills the 22 schedule, which we will look at in a second. Yes, there was a contract. They owed BYU a home game. This could have been bought out a long time ago. It really could have, but it wasn't. They're playing a game. I know it was supposed to be in Provo. This will be a bigger deal being in Las Vegas. Remember when BYU played Arizona? how big a deal that was. It had nothing to do with Arizona and everything to do with being in Vegas, being on ESPN, kicking off the season. This is going to be in October. Uh, you know, we're like 10 days out from it being 
a year away. It's next season, and it's happening. We're finally going to have that Notre Dame game. We don't have to talk about it in the offseason. What's the latest? This will be fun. Big challenge. It'll be a great showing from BYU fans. It's going to be 50-50 or maybe even 60-40 Notre Dame. Trust me. Uh, they're a bigger version of BYU in terms of the national fan base. But it will be awesome. Rudy was there in Vegas for the game. I did ask him um, before the game, hey, next year for BYU and Notre Dame, who, who are you going to run the flag out for? So he was a little undecided. I'm guessing Notre Dame, but it's all good. I'm, I'm very excited that we're going to get this game. And in that location, I really think that should be the second home of BYU football. It already is. It, like that, that game was so... Fun, like the I. I'm not just talking about on the field. I'm talking everything around it and in it. That stadium's incredible. It's it's a modern uh, masterpiece. You know, seven wonders of the world. There's some unique stadiums that are just incredible. That one is incredible. And for the Raiders to have had such a dumpy situation historically to now have that, it's pretty. Oh awesome. yeah. But I, I I'm stoked, man. This will be great. Notre Dame Shamrock series. NBC. It's a home game for Notre Dame. So listen, six home games and then a pseudo home game, right, there, and you're at Boise State, so you're only playing eight games that are outside of like five hours away, six hours away. Sorry, yeah. you're playing eight games within five hours. No, I, I like that the game got scheduled. You, ha- you wondered, because it's been so long, like, are they actually going to do this thing? And sure enough, Tom Homo, Jack Swarbrick, they figure it out. Got, uh, you know, a bunch of members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and members of the Catholic Church congregating in Las Vegas, of all places, at Raider Stadium. Someone make a t-shirt. Like, uh, to you continue know, the Shamrock Miami series. Yeah. The, I, I like that there uh, is some irony involved there. But, yes, I, I applaud both sides for figuring it out. Notre Dame is a high-maintenance partner when it comes to stuff like this, and so you cater to them. Well, it doesn't hey, matter. We're, we're it doesn't typically matter. the yes, high-maintenance It one. doesn't matter where the game is. If Notre Dame says, hey, we want to play, play the yep. game. Yeah. You play the game. and They could have bought it out a long time ago, or we could have said, eh, just give us the money. No, Tom waited. Now, as you just pointed out, this game is on NBC. Yeah. By being on NBC, Notre Dame National Television, automatically this game becomes a bigger deal. It just does, because it's in the Notre Dame contract. You're going to be probably playing... What if it's on Peacock? It's not going <laughs> to be on Peacock. It is not going to be on Peacock. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, my goodness. Was it, yes. was it Toledo on Peacock? It's on NBC at Allegiant Stadium. That's fantastic. Uh, and I know that Notre Dame is going to be allotted more tickets because they're the home team. Yeah, that's all good. But BYU fans will figure out a way to yeah. finagle their way into that stadium. Oh, it's going to yeah. be very close to 50-50 when all is said and done. Listen, at Tennessee, there were probably, what, 10,000 BYU fans or something? That was an amazing showing. Yeah. In Vegas? No, it'll, it'll be awesome. If it's 60-40 Notre Dame, that's an amazing Great. showing from BYU. Yes. Also, <clears throat> what is also fantastic about this game, BYU, because they are the road team in Vegas and they agreed to this, they're going to receive a financial benefit for this, Jerem. And that's often what goes undiscussed. I don't it know. It doesn't that, need money. I don't know what that number is, but BYU is going to receive a nice chunk of change for agreeing to be the road team in their home away from home. And, so and, and, and yeah, t- we're going to pay you this. I don't know seven figure sum. Come to Las Vegas where you have a ton of fans and play this game. So it's on NBC. They get the game with Notre Dame in Vegas, and they get money for it. I, this is great. Uh, yeah, and, and this will be the last of those games, by the way. Because once BYU is a Power 5 member, you're not getting money from anybody. You are the one who's shelling it Distributing out. Distributing the money? Yeah. yeah. All right, our question of the day relates to this. We want to know what you think. Do you care about the location of the BYU-Notre Dame game? Does it matter? Or are you just glad the game got scheduled? Let's go to Voice of the Nation early. 
This is the voice of the nation on BYU Sports Nation. Steve Preston on Twitter answers, this is extremely disappointing. Okay. The history and Power 5 type status that Notre Dame has makes them think they can do this. BYU played two times there. They play one at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. That was the deal. Not two in South Bend and one in Las Vegas. Well, I, I understand the disappointment, but Steve, what if this game doesn't happen at all and BYU just gets a million bucks? Are you happier? I'm way happier that BYU's playing in Vegas than not playing at all. And they're probably going to get more than a million bucks and play the game. BYU's not in a position to tell Notre Dame what to do. <laughs> okay? Like, yes, you have a contract. Every contract, including marriage, can be undone. Okay? Yes, everything can be undone. So, I get the disappointment, but Steve, BYU and, and Notre Dame in Vegas, it's going to be awesome, man. I, kn- I know it'd be fun in Provo. Sure. Guess what? All good, baby. It's actually a better situation in Vegas. In terms of... Not, not, hey, we get to host them, but like it's going to be a bigger deal nationally. And what if BYU goes 10 and 3 this year and returns everybody, right? That's going to be, BYU's going to be hopefully a ranked team going into that game. We'll see. Well, that's a separate conversation. In October. Who comes back to play for BYU football in 2022 with that COVID exception? You're still available to so many. Well, there's like, yeah, it's true. Just like James Empey bounce, just going to Romney bounce if it goes really well. Tyler Algier bounce. That'd be a good problem. Austin McKell on Instagram says, any team, any time, any place. It doesn't matter. BYU was show up ready to play. Well, I don't want to take games on Wednesday anymore on the East Coast. Okay, Didn't we learn from that, that we don't want to do that? Okay, topic two. Notre Dame games, 12th game on the schedule next year. Here's what it looks like. September 3rd at South Florida. September 10th, Baylor at home. What's up, Jeff Grimes, Eric Mateo? September 17th at Autzen at Oregon. It's going to be awesome. September 24th, Wyoming! September 30th, Utah State. October 8th, we mentioned Notre Dame in Vegas. October 15th, Arkansas in town. SEC Arkansas is top 15 right now. October 22nd, at Liberty. Open date on the 29th. At Boise State, open. Dixie State on November 19th. Live on BYU TV. Maybe our last game in a while. November 26th, at Stanford. East Carolina to be determined on either the 29th of October or November 12th. What do you think of this schedule, man? I think that this schedule, based on what Power 5 teams are doing this year and Power 5 teams that are on 2022 schedule is downright daunting, Jerem. Baylor, top 25 team. Number 21 right now. Oregon, number Mm 3. Notre Dame, number 9. Arkansas, number 8. At at Stanford, brother Tanner McKee. What's up? That's three top 10 teams right now. But here's the good part. Yeah. We don't know what those teams will be next year. Well, they're looking at BYU going, hey, BYU's 13. You never know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, The same uh, thing. You never know what these teams are going to be. Is Arkansas flash in the pan this year? Probably. Does Notre Dame drop off? Is Oregon still a top five team? Mm. Is Baylor a top 25 team? Probably. Okay, and they're coming to Provo. Yeah. I I think the schedule is really fun. Again, I I like the (laughs) – Yeah, what do you mean by fun? I like the balance (laughs) of it. I like that BYU opens the season – Oh, and hey, in an NFL stadium, by the way. So they have two games in NFL stadiums next year. They're at USF, who plays at the home of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they'll play in Allegiant Stadium. Yeah. So there are games eight and nine for Kalani Satake as a head coach in NFL Stadium. So I like that opening game. You come back to Baylor. Huge road contest in Autzen. Yeah. Wyoming, Utah State. I like those rivalry games. Uh, renewing some Mountain West one, ties one of, back to back. One of those is the rivalry game. Okay. Notre Dame and Vegas, and he come back for Arkansas. That that stretch is pretty wild. Okay, 
Notre Dame, Arkansas, and then you got to go on the road all the way to Virginia and play at Liberty, which is kind of a weird, sneaky game, especially if they bring back their quarterback. He's a good yeah. player. Yeah. They're, they're better than they were when they came to Pro Bowl a couple of years ago. Um, who knows where East Carolina gets to do, but I, Jeremiah, I like it. Well, I got to avenge, I got to avenge that 2017. There are, there are only five power five teams compared to seven this year. Well, I was hoping it was 12, but you don't care anymore because BYU is going to play at least eight power five teams every year as a member of the big 12 starting in 2023. It's going to be nine or 10 because you are going to play Utah. Uh, Right. Right. I said at least. Yes. There's, we know it's going to be at least nine, um, maybe 10. Um, So I'm, I'm wondering, yeah, no Utah, of course, next two years, if you forgot, um, no, I I like it. I think there's some good balance there. But, yeah, it's pretty challenging. But BYU should have a bunch of good dudes back. So let's go, man. Uh, the final independent schedule. Pretty good one. I hope the October 29th date remains open because BYU is going to need the break after that. Yes, and it's my birthday weekend. So There Tom, it is. That's, that's, that's right. That open? I probably have soccer or volleyball. <laughs> Much attention has been paid to the margin of victory for BYU football against USF on Saturday night, 35-27. Just an eight-point win when BYU was, according to some people, favored by as many as 23 or 24 points, Jason. So, cause for concern, I ask you this question. Does BYU have to win big to keep climbing the national polls, or do they just have to win, period? Is that enough? Um, I, I think, ultimately, you continue to win and you're going to be fine. You will continue to move up the polls. I was very curious as to what would happen after the win over South Florida. I wondered if BYU would stay put, if for some reason maybe somebody, you know, they would slip back a spot, simply because the margin was so big, yet the victory ultimately didn't turn out to be. So I was pleasantly surprised to see BYU jumping up two spots. Now, a lot of that also has to do with the fact that you have teams ahead of BYU sure. that are also losing. And yes. you had a couple of those. So there are a lot of different factors that go into whether or not you're able to move up, and if you move up, how much. So ultimately, I do think it boils down to just winning and you'll be fine. You'll continue to climb the poles. But there are other factors, like we mentioned, in terms of teams ahead of you and how they do. But also, in terms of needing to win by big margins, some schools, I don't know if you have to do that. BYU, I just wonder, because of a history of maybe not getting the benefit of the doubt, Maybe BYU is one of the teams that, at least as of right now, probably still needs to have these margin of victory games that impress. But is history of not having the benefit of the doubt now gone because BYU is perceived differently? It's changing. There's no question that it is changing. Look, and I think a perfect example of this is Cincinnati. Cincinnati right now obviously ranked ahead of BYU. And Cincinnati over the last couple of years, football-wise, has had – you know, obviously being in, being there at the very end and being ranked every year and having big time wins, this is a team that has earned over the last four years, three years, to get that benefit of the doubt because they've won. They have been a proven commodity. I think what BYU did last year, going eleven and one, I think the start that they've had this year. If this season continues on the way that we think it can and hope that it does then I think BYU is certainly in that same mix where, say, next year, if there's something that you're, you're getting the benefit of the doubt. And they may be there now, but I, just, I think it's almost like uh, you're, you're just worried because of the way the past has gone, whether it's football or basketball, that don't leave any room for error for anybody to read into something that they may want to read into. Just, just 
take care of business by winning the games. And if you can beat them big, beat them big. Just don't leave any room for anybody to take anything away from you. So here's the good news for BYU and every other program. College football, the temperature right now is so historic and wildly unpredictable that it, it really doesn't matter how many points BYU wins by. Again, we saw a testament to this when the Cougars jumped two spots after only beating USF by eight points because everybody else is losing, Jason. And then you, you look at, like, the teams above BYU. Just last week, for example, fifth-ranked Iowa. Oh, man, fifth-ranked Iowa. They've looked amazing. They played a 10-point game with Colorado State at home. 24-14. Did it affect them? Nope. They're number five. Number three, Oregon. The Ducks jumped up to number three. They were in a five-point game in the fourth quarter with, wait for it, Arizona. I know it ended 41-19. The Wildcats fell apart in the last seven minutes of the game. That was a weird game for the majority of the game at Autzen Stadium in Oregon. Just win. And then this is probably the strongest case. Fresno State, Jason, a group of five school that already has a loss. They were ranked 22nd. They had to rally to beat UNLV, a terrible UNLV team. They were losing the majority of the game. They had to rally against UNLV to win by eight. They jumped four spots in the poll from 22nd to number 18. So BYU may be more comparable to a Fresno State if you don't want to think, well, they're not Iowa, they're not Oregon. Those teams are going to get receive the benefit of the doubt. Fresno State? Every other team above BYU, it feels like, has played a very close game at some point this season, including Notre Dame. They had to rally to beat Toledo by three points in South Bend. Notre Dame at home against Toledo? Well, maybe Toledo's a good team. No, they're pretty mediocre. They're 2-2. Two and two. Oklahoma, five-point win against Tulane. Iowa State, six-point win earlier this season against FCS foe Northern Iowa at home. The point is just to win right okay, now. But but what and, and I agree and I agree. Like I said, I think ultimately if you win, things will take care of themselves. But all of the things that you're bringing up are based off of moving up in the AP poll. The college football playoff poll BYU has not so far been given the benefit of the doubt. Right, right. there's only one uh, <laughs> example because BYU until last year had never been in the Correct. college football playoff. Correct. Ball. So, so I still think that there is. I still think whether whether we think BYU has earned it or not doesn't really matter. But what about it's the what Power they Five wins? See, and it, how can the committee deny the yes. Power Five wins yes. that were not on the schedule last year? And I, that I think right there is the biggest argument for the just win because. Unlike other years, and last year certainly, where they were all this type of team, um, you, you, BYU's not going through like a stretch over the next six or seven games where it's all yeah. lower tier teams. You still have more teams that you'll face that are P5 teams, even if it is Washington State, you know, a team like that, USC that's down a little bit, you're still facing USC. You're still facing Baylor, who looks really, really good. So the fact, yes, you still play Utah State, and yes, you still have Georgia Southern. You still have, you know, G5 teams, but you will have an opportunity that if you win, it's going to be looked more favorably by beating Washington State than by beating Georgia Southern. BYU going into Logan this weekend, I think, is an eight-point favorite right now. So, right, okay. right around there. What a, win by one point. Doesn't matter at Utah State. Rivalry game, does not matter. Just win. 
BYU will not be penalized for getting to 5-0, and winning on the road in a rivalry game. They will not be penalized, meaning they will not drop in the rankings. Okay, there's only two games on the schedule remaining where I feel like, okay, BYU should absolutely dominate these games, meaning win by more than two scores. At Georgia Southern and against Idaho State. That's it. The rest of the games, win by one point. If you just win, it's enough. Beat, beat Baylor, obviously. We think that's the toughest game remaining on the schedule. Agreed. FPI does too. Just win, Jason, by one point. At Washington State, win by one point. Virginia, win. USC, certainly win. Like Georgia Southern and Idaho State are the only two games remaining on the schedule where I'm like, okay, you probably need to win by more than two scores to make some type of a, oh, yeah, okay, hey, BYU handled their business against a team they severely overmatch. But Georgia Southern is probably comparable to USF. So even if BYU came away with an eight-point win on the road, I'm thinking, eh, I don't think they'd be punished. Like just If you win, you will keep climbing the poles because of what BYU's done early in the season and because they will have beaten, at that point, more Power Fives in a single season than they ever have in the history of the program. You just keep winning and beating those Power Five teams, Jason, things are going to take care of themselves. So I, I am of the opinion that it just – it just doesn't matter now because of what BYU did early in the season, sending that message. And yes, the Big 12 invitation matters. They are perceived differently this year because of what has happened in September. But I, I, I also think, and I, I think the football team themselves would say that, like, we can't say that the heavy lifting is over. No, because no, 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 you, don't want, you, don't, you don't want to be complacent with that. And I, and I, I don't think that's what you're saying. No, but just win. I'm saying just win. Just find a way. It doesn't matter how many points you win. But just, just the goal is to win, whether it's by one or 21. I look, and I, I think with the schedule remaining, mostly that's going to be, that's going to be correct. But there, there, are, there are, like I said, I just, it's, it's PTSD from, you know, previous last, years. Last year. Last where, year specifically, Where you I think BYU should, should be at a certain level and viewed a certain way and therefore reap the benefits of that, and they're not given that. They're not given that, whether it's football or basketball in years past. Now, the last couple of years, BYU in basketball has been given very favorable seeds. That tide is changing, and I think BYU football is now in the process of doing the exact same thing. I would just not like to leave anything to chance. I don't want anybody that may have a gripe or a bias or hasn't seen BYU that is going to be in charge of making decisions for where BYU ultimately ends up. I, I don't want to leave any doubt for them. Okay. Yeah, and I, and I mean, I, I understand that. But I feel like because of the way the schedule is set up, those concerns that you have will primarily be alleviated. And I hope that's the case. Because of the, the makeup of the schedule. Look, all, all BYU can worry about is winning the game. That's yep. all. Beat Utah State. Just win the game. Beat Utah State. That's all they can by worry one. about. Doesn't matter. Beat Boy State by one. I don't care. All right, just uh, before we go to our question of the day, this Justin, Baylor Romney, in his third start and a third win, has received honorable mention Earl Campbell Tyler Rose Award Player of the Week honors based on his performance 305 yards on 20 of 25 passing, three touchdowns. Baylor getting noticed. Uh, fantastic stuff right there. Our Brilliant. Question of the day now. What needs to happen between now and the release of the initial college football playoff rankings on November 2nd for BYU to remain in that conversation? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. All right, Jacob Dawson answers on Facebook. 
Continue to win bit to win, but win big. No more of these grinded out games. Again, I don't, has it mattered? Like, did the grind out game matter against Arizona, Utah, Arizona State, or even USF? Where? Show me where I need to be concerned based on what BYU is having done to them in the AP poll. There's continuing to climb. Well, but I, I don't know if the, that argument holds true though against BYU or against Utah and Arizona State. Both were f- both were favored and both were ranked ahead of BYU. Sure. So grinding it out, getting the win in those situations is is fine. Like, so maybe he's making reference specifically to Arizona. Okay, whatever. Slow start to the season. I think he's just referring to USF. I think he's one hundred percent USF. Was it a grinded out game? BYU led twenty eight to six at halftime. Yeah. They were up 35-20 to 20 at the end of the third quarter. If at any point, Jason, did you feel like BYU was in danger no. of losing that game? BYU was never going to lose never. that game. Even with the run that, uh, that Timmy McClain – by the way, the way he played, I'm going to start calling him Tim McClain. Okay. Oh, Tim? He's taking <laughs> up no Timmy? no longer Timmy. It's Tim. It's That's, Tim. He, played like, he played like Tim. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I'm, BYU jumped two spots with an eight-point win at home against USF. So – where is the cause for concern? That is my question. Just win. So even if it's a grinded-out game, it, the, with the temperature of college football, everybody's playing close games. Everybody, the elite teams, playing close games. Alabama played a two-point game for crying out loud. I know it was against Florida, but that doesn't happen to Alabama, Jason. Right. It never happens to Bama. Look, and when, it does this year. Look, when is Alabama finally going to get the benefit of the doubt from the voters? I know. They've had it Can rough. we please and get no. to that point? Alabama also and Tom Brady. I mean, Seriously. just that team and that guy have led really tough lives. Look, it's like somebody you throw just try those and guys. Persevere. That's what you're trying a to break, do. please. Yes. All right. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. I recently had the chance to speak with one of the stars of BYU's Saturday night win over USF. That incredible performance by the BYU offense, wide receiver Gunnar Romney. Caught a touchdown pass from his brother Baylor Romney. He's also rocking a sweet stash and ready to discuss fashion among football. This is my one-on-one BYU Sports Nation all-access with Gunnar Romney. Gunner, congratulations. You've earned another interview with me. This is like the seventh one in the last seven days or something like that. But I have failed to ask you this question until now. What is the genesis of your decision to grow that amazing mustache? Um, to be honest, it's my wife. Um, you know, I grow facial hair pretty quickly. I have to shave, um, you know, pretty much once a day or, or I get honor coded or something like that. Um, but I came out of the bathroom kind of as a joke with the mustache and she, she loved it. So I kept it and, you know, it's just been a thing so far. Is it tied at all to the winning streak or is it really just all about what your wife wants? Well, I mean, it's always about what the wife wants, but if we keep winning, I might as well not shave it. It must be some good luck charm. Okay. Hey, keep it rolling, man, for sure. All right. After uh, the weekend and you had some time to digest what happened as you go back and watch the game, review film, I do need to ask, who received more television time on Saturday night, you or your family in the stands? Probably my family. I've seen so many little clips of them just in the, in the stands celebrating. Just my parents and me, mine and Baylor's wives just going crazy. 
Um, so probably them, to be honest. Okay, the Romney family it is, center stage for BYU football. Gunnar Romney is with us on BYU Sports Nation. I talked to you briefly after the game about Utah State and the Utah State fans specifically. What do you remember about your first game in Logan and the interactions that you wanted or didn't want with the Aggie faithful? Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of energy in that stadium. Uh, whether it's positive or negative, it's, there's going to be energy. Those, those Aggie fans, they always bring it. They're, uh, they get personal sometimes with the, with the comments they're making and warm-ups especially. But I'm excited. I'm excited to go and play a true away game um, with, you know, sort of a hostile environment. I, I, I love that type of stuff, and I think our, our entire team loves that type of stuff because they see it as a challenge. How do you specifically handle that type of hostility? Does it make you laugh? Does it make you want to run? Well, how do you handle it? Um, kind of a little bit of everything. It, it, it makes me laugh at the beginning, and then when the game gets closer, I kind of uh, kind of block it out a little bit. That's that's always been sort of my thing is um, try to not pay attention to the highs and lows of the crowd. Um, try and stay even keeled. Um, but you know, I'm just excited. You know, it's it's fun always always playing in front of that type of environment. Listen, if you're getting trashed, just point to the mustache, okay? It'll make everything bad disappear. Gunnar Romney is with us on BYU Sports Nation. What do you know about Utah State's defense specifically at this point? Um, not too much to this point, but I know they're they're a lot more improved than they were the last time we played them, and so it's going to be a challenge to go up there. But we're looking forward to the challenge, and so we need to to bring everything that we have and we need to play to the to our best capabilities which I know we can do um, in order to beat them how does what BYU football does as an offense change depending on who is starting a quarterback Jaron Hall or your brother Baylor um to be honest not too much you know both of those dudes can can handle the offense pretty good and so I think they kind of just add their own flavor to it you know with Jaron we kind of see a little bit more of the run game a little bit more of the use of his legs and Baylor's a little bit more of a pocket passer, but I think the offense just kind of molds around them, whether um, either one of them is, is in the pocket. And so I think both of them do a great job of handling it. Baylor did run a little bit on Saturday night. How would you assess his ability to escape the pressure with his feet? Um, he got the job done. It wasn't the prettiest, uh, <laughs> prettiest thing I've ever seen, but you know, he, he scrambled, made a couple of first downs, made some good plays with his legs. And so I'll, I'll give him props for that. Okay. Fair enough. Good brother. Are you okay giving him some tips on striding the right way and whatnot? Nah, man, I don't want to mess with his head. I'll just let him do his thing. <laughs> oh, you are a good brother. That is for sure. All right. What's the secret to handling growing uh, publicity and fame in the national eye. You're the number 13 team in the country. You're undefeated at 4-0. and If you go back to last year, BYU is a combined 14-1 and in the last 15 games. Make it 15-1 in the last 16 games. How do you handle the mounting pressure? I think Kalani does a great job of, of taking the role of handling that and kind of leaving us to just play football. You know, we come in every Monday, and it's, it's almost the same speech every single day. Every single Monday we come in. It's uh, we, we, we watch the film and we forget about that game. Uh, we're supposed to, if someone asked us about, about the game previous after Monday, we're supposed to say, no, we're not even, we're not even paying attention to that. We're just looking forward to the next opponent. And I think Kalani does a great job of really emphasizing um, the little things and staying humble. So we don't get carried away with the pride. We always talk about the pride cycle and how that can, you know, be a, be a huge barrier for us. And so we kind of um, try to stay humble as, as, as much as we can. How will your schedule change as a football team on a short week? The only non-Saturday game that BYU has on the schedule. 
Yeah, it, it actually is a big change. You know, we, we come in on Mondays usually and it's, it's a shorter practice, lighter practice because everybody's still sore and beat up. But, you know, we don't have that luxury this week. We have to come in and, and get a practice in and, you know, jump right on the film, jump right on studying because we, we leave on Thursday. So it's a whole a whole less day of practice and preparation, um, you know. So we, we kind of have to pick up the intensity a little bit and, you know, get right on it. Gunner, as a student athlete, you're balancing a lot. Schoolwork on top of what your responsibilities are with BYU football and now throw in name, image, and likeness. And you've got deals working on the side. So, how do you balance all of those things? Because this is a year unlike any other that we have experienced. Yeah, you know, you for sure have to compartmentalize. Um, for me personally, I, I do. I like to set a, a time in the mornings, um, you know, where it's, it's just school, no football, nothing else allowed. And then as soon as we hit football um, to, to the evening, I'll, I'll set aside just football. I'm not worried about anything else. And then, you know, as soon as that finishes, um, then I can, I can worry about other things. But you really just have to be you know, um, responsible and take care of your business and not let outside factors distract you. So obviously you are improving as a receiver and, and wanting to perfect the details, but through four games, I mean, obviously your health has been a big factor. It's staying, you know, other than the Arizona game, staying healthy and be able to do things. How have you been able to improve your craft as a wide receiver up to this point? Yeah, it's really just studying the film from the game before and seeing what I did wrong and seeing how I can improve that. Um, you know, one example is um, I was I was talking to my dad this morning because he he always likes to text me and give me advice um, at the beginning of a new week. And I was talking to my dad this morning and he he was he said to pick out a couple weaknesses, and it's exactly what I did last week um, on the actually the touchdown that I scored. Um, that certain move I'd been practicing all week because I watched it in film before. I kind of got stuck a little bit. Um, and so the, the entire week, every time I ran that route, it was, I was working on that exact same technique and, you know, it, it came to the game and um, it paid off. And so that's just really a sign and really motivation for me to, to continue doing that, to continue finding weaknesses in my game and, you know, proving that I can, um, you know, improve on that. Ever the perfectionist Gunnar Romney, you and your brother for that matter, very, very in the details. We'll finish with this. I had a buddy ask me, Hey, what kind of sunglasses is Gunner wearing? Because they are fire when you were walking into the stadium. They take up like half your face, man. Uh, where does one find those sunglasses? No, it's funny. So Carter Wheat came in a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he, was, he was just showing us. He DM'd the company Pit Viper, just asking, you know, for some free merch for the, this NIL deal thing. And, uh, and so they sent it to him. And so probably 30 dudes on the team reached out to them, and they, they all sent us a bunch of, pit, of, of uh, sunglasses. And so we've all just been rocking them. I don't know if you guys um, show, show up to the Cougar Walk the next home game. You'll probably see 50 players wearing those things. Oh, hilarious. With the mustache, it's a combination that can't be beat, my friend. Yeah, that's, that's the look I'm going for. <laughs> he is straight out of the 80s. Gunnar Romney. It might as well be the 80s for BYU football. This has uh, really been a fun time for Cougar football and for BYU Sports Nation. Gunnar, congratulations to this point. We know a huge game is ahead of you. Let's give you some more BYU Sports Nation karma to handle Utah State. Look forward to seeing you under the lights at Maverick Stadium on Friday night. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.
Gunnar Romney, one-on-one BYU Sports Nation special. Let's see here. Dear Pit Viper. I oh, would... you want some Pit Viper sunglasses, Jason? <laughs> That's exactly what you need. <laughs> I don't know if I could rock that. No, no, no. You're a child of the 80s. You absolutely true. need some Pit Viper sunglasses. Okay, well, we'll see what happens. Do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> they are unique. I uh... I definitely could not pull them off. But I feel like you could because you're you you just... Do I, I exude that? Yes. I don't know what that that is. Whatever that is, I don't know what it is. But yes, the way I mean, the way you talk about Magnum PI and Miami Vice, and all, like that's you, okay, brother. Okay, it's fine. I'll, I'll own that. That is no you, that. brother. Okay. Go for it. Uh, speaking of owning things, yes, Gunner right now is owning just about anything thrown his way, and it's to think about him being injured and all of us like collectively holding our breath, wondering what. His, the fact that he's able to play and not just able to play, but going play out there level. and yeah. playing at a high level is so great to see. And it's it's helped this offense immensely. Sure. Good to see that guy go next level. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday time for Top 5 Tuesday, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Here are our top five plays from BYU's win over South Florida. Number five, we've got Peyton Wilgar flying into the backfield to stop Jaron Mangum. Before he can go anywhere, Mangum came in from the opposite side and left Mangum with nowhere to go. This set up a USF three and out on their opening drive and was one of two tackles for loss on the night for Wilgar. Attaboy Peyton, number four on fourth and goal. Tyler Algier breaks not one, but two tackles. How good are his sidesteps and his vision? Second score on a fourth and goal from the one-yard line. Looked like USF was uh, going to get the big goal line stop, but Tyler Algier has other ideas, and uh, he makes something difficult look rather easy. Absolutely. Number three, well, it was only a matter of time before Baylor's deep throws made its way into the top five. Look at that gorgeous. This one, Tapuka Nakua. Baylor threw this one 50 yards right on the money. Well, taking a bit of a hit, Nakua finished it off, hauling it in for 55 yards. Nakua, by the way, had his first 100-yard game as a Cougar, going for four catches and 102 yards. Great throw and catch. At number two, another gorgeous deep ball. From Baylor Romney, this time to his brother Gunnar Romney. This is how you start a game, Jason. Right. Want to get the fans into it? Just do that. Diving grab, also excellent by Gunnar, laying out for that catch. He finished tonight with five catches for 119 yards and a touchdown of his brother's 305 total passing yards. And at number one, how about Baylor and Gunnar again? Yep. We've got one more of the brother connection this time, finding the end zone. That's right, not down at the one, all the way into the end zone. A perfect pass in stride. Baylor on point all night long, throwing for three touchdowns, 305 yards, connecting on 80% of his passes. That one to his bro. They're brothers, they're happy, and they're running, and they're scoring. <laughs> you know where I'm going with I that. know exactly where yeah. you're going. Yes, I do. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. 
This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Baylor Romney, near perfect, at least from my perspective, in his his third start and third win for the BYU Cougars. He threw five incompletions and was grading out at a very high level. Jerem, my question now is, is there a quarterback controversy now at BYU after another Baylor-Romney start? One start versus South Florida versus three, uh, two and a half starts versus Power Fives. No, there's not a quarterback controversy. But what was cemented in my mind, because Baylor was so good, and let's break that down in a moment, is that he's not QB two, he's QB one and a half. If there's a game, say a first half, where BYU really struggles, and Jaron Hall, hopefully not, throws three picks or something, there's a chance BYU could make that move in-game to go with Baylor. Baylor has shown from 2019 and now that he is extremely capable of being a QB1. There's no reason Baylor uh, shouldn't be a QB1, right? The, well, the reason is Jaron Hall's really good too. So I, I don't think BYU is looking at a two-QB thing, although one notable person at halftime asked me the question in the press box, hey, is there something here with these two guys? Should BYU let... I don't think BYU will. Um, Baylor is an amazing backup. I dare say one of the best backups BYU's ever had. Um, and that's saying a lot because you've had some All-Americans who have backed up All-Americans. Baylor's really good. 20-25, 305, three touchdowns, no picks, 222 on his uh, pass rating. That's incredible, man. North of 200? We're up in 180-plus, right? So that's amazing. Jaron Hall makes plays. BYU needed Jaron Hall against Utah to run the ball. I don't think... You know, with Baylor, it's the same situation, right? Uh, Baylor's arm is a little better than Jaron's, I think. Baylor's ability to stretch the field with three plays of 40-plus in this game was pretty awesome. So, BYU's in a great spot. And then there's the third string who told Alabama no. It's just an amazing situation. Baylor-Romney could start for like 75 other Division I programs. And that's not an exaggeration. I think Utah State wishes they had a Baylor-Romney. I, I think Utah wishes they had a Baylor-Romney. Utah say, hey, can we work out a trade? For Baylor Romney for the rest of the season and then send him back to Provo next year. We already gave you Devin Kafusi. What are you talking about? So, yes, some tongue in cheek tweets, great stuff. Baylor Romney could start for a majority of other Division I programs. And I was the one in the summer saying, look, like right now with our, with Jaron Hall's health status unknown, maybe BYU should just plan on starting Baylor. And I got ripped apart on social media. Oh, Spencer, you don't understand. Baylor Romney's not the athlete that Jaron Hall is. He's you got to go all in on Jared. Baylor's the perfect bag. I can't believe you would say that. There are several of you now thinking, huh? Twenty for twenty-five, three hundred plus, three touchdowns, no interceptions. BYU scored touchdowns on five of seven drives. They punted once and had a blocked field goal. Maybe there's something to this Baylor Romney kid. He's three for three in his starts. Okay. I, now, now Jaron's road was tougher. True. And Utah, I think BYU needed Jaron's legs to win that game. I really do. I'm not, yeah. I am not saying it worked out perfectly. Baylor Romney stepping in when Jaron Hall couldn't play, it's great. All I'm saying is if BYU opted to start Baylor Romney, it wouldn't be that big of a deal in my mind. No. No. Okay, it's like you said, it's quarterback one and quarterback one and a half, whatever. Like if the coaches saw something, it wouldn't be like this shocking revelation that Baylor Romney's going to start. Oh, my goodness, it I would can't be, believe the drama. Yes, it would be. It'd be section 139. Oh, my That's goodness. That's what that would be. 
It, the, I think the, Community of Christ has like 180 or something. BYU has two fully awesome. capable veteran starters that can go out and in their own unique ways yeah. lead the team and yeah. get the job done. Like if Baylor Romney were to start against Utah State and Boise State, would you have any issue with that? No. Not I at hope all. that Jaron Hall gets healthy ASAP. Yes. Baylor Romney might start sat, uh, Friday. Who knows? We don't know that right now. We don't know that he won't. There's not a controversy, but rather a wealth of talent. Yes, love a, it. This is a fan. I know it, it's often said it's a fantastic problem. It's the goal. Or maybe we should just say fantastic advantage that BYU has in the quarterback. Yeah, it ain't no problem. No, no controversy. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Growing up for me, sports were everything. My parents kind of restricted me from playing football early on because, you know, they were scared of the potential injuries. We got him into soccer when he turned four. In his first year in soccer, he would stay behind the pack, wait for the ball to pop out, and then he would be there to kick it. And so we thought, this is fine. He's, he's a normal kid. He's probably not going to be that athletic. And... You know, he's just he's having a good experience with the team. He unfortunately had a couple of concussions, fairly significant ones through soccer. Football was obviously not something that we were keen on him doing because of that concussion history. Uh, I ultimately convinced my mom to let me play if it was just going to be kicking. And so I remember going to one of my seventh grade football games with my parents just to watch some of my friends play. And the idea came to me to ask her right then, well, Mom, what if I just kick? I don't have to play any other position. And she was on board with that, and so she went and talked to the coach on my behalf after the game. That's where football started for him. We were driving back from, from Provo. We were in, in West Texas. We're about five hours from home. It's Sunday morning. And I get a call from Jake, and he's really upset. He's in a lot of pain. And I said, what's going on? And he said, I can't move my knee. And I said, what, what happened? And he said, I don't know. Yesterday I was just stretching, and I heard something pop. And, and today it's so swollen and in excruciating pain. I don't know what to do. I guess I was just going too hard and <laughs> pushed something a little too far. And, and my knee popped, and I tore my meniscus, and I sprained my MCL. And in that moment, I was really really concerned because I, after a couple days of camp and talking to coaches, I felt that there was an opportunity to make an impact that season, and all of a sudden, you know, the potential of that was just gone. They had the surgery on Tuesday. I flew up later that week, and I believe it was by Friday, he was running stairs in the stadium. And so he was doing all kinds of crazy exercises to try and get back as fast as he could. And that was a really challenging time because with that injury, he suddenly pulled out of camp. What he would do is after, when everyone else was eating lunch, he would go out and he would start kicking. And he was trying to get exposure to the team and to coaches to let them know that he was, he was ready. And so less than three weeks later was the Arizona game. Can you feel this, Rob? My goodness. Ready for football inside University of Phoenix Stadium. Glendale, Arizona. It's BYU and Arizona to finish up. So I got right back into practice Monday week one. I only took a couple reps that week, but worked my way somehow onto the travel squad. 
um, which was just a complete miracle turnaround for me. It was a huge blessing for me to even be in the position to compete. And then, you know, fortunately, I was on the plane to that first game. Same shoes. I had some old green shoes that I brought to fall camp here at BYU because I didn't have anything else. And I didn't dare ask, you know, being a bright-eyed 18-year-old. I, I had never been in the locker room before, and I didn't even dare, you know, try to ask somebody for new cleats. So I just wore what I had. Nobody said anything to me. They were Nike. So I thought that was fine, and I didn't think I was going to play. 16-15 <laughs> Arizona. Oldroyd from 33. The kick is on its way, and it is... driving down the field and it came time to kick a field goal to win we were looking at him and you could just see the confidence just beaming off of him it's unique you know and that's very different but that confidence was beaming into the players and for a freshman to do that is remarkable you know that that's why I pushed myself to recover so hard from that injury and to be prepared because I knew that if that chance was given to me I was going to take it and and I was going to perform Strong start to 2019. Um, we had those incredible wins over Tennessee. He was able to kick a field goal to send it to overtime. Eventually, of course, we won that game, a USC win. Then we came to a game, and he was very sick. He was dizzy, uh, really couldn't walk in a straight line, and uh, really not in much shape to play, but he needed to play. Ended up not converting a couple of times. And uh, I think that's when... You know, the mental game really became a factor. When you're doing well, then the posts are outstanding and supportive and he's the best ever and things are, things are great. But if anything at all goes wrong, then suddenly the doubters or detractors come in and it is, it's, they just continue to pile on. And so in 2019, I think that happened. I tried to uh, take a step back and realize that you know, people don't understand what it's like to be me. There are very few collegiate and NFL place kickers out there that understand what it's like to miss a kick or go through a rut like that. You know, so understanding that helped me to realize that, you know, I don't need to listen to those outside voices, and they definitely shouldn't be the ones that are influencing where my mind is at. And so, you know, I ultimately just got off of social media during the next season because I felt like it was something that was detrimental to where my head was at as a player the year before. and But it definitely takes time and experience and practice, I think, to, to block it out and just realize that it's nothing more than a game and you got to have fun doing it. And sometimes people take it too seriously. So the piano has been a hobby of mine since I was a kid. I've always enjoyed playing. And over the years, it's been a way that I can de-stress and take time away from day-to-day -day things and... Even through football, there was a time where I would go play the piano by myself on game day, get myself in the right space approaching a, you know, a stressful game setting. Jake's always had a really good perspective ever since I've known him of that football's important, but it's not everything in life, right? And he's got potential where football can take him to places he maybe never thought imaginable, right, as far as career goes. But... I think he's always had a really good perspective of football's great, and if it can take me to certain places, awesome, but 
family, you know, his, his relationships he has with other people, his faith are, are more important. You know, I absolutely believe he's a, an amazing kicker. He's a phenomenal athlete, but I think he's an even better person. Jake is a lot of things uh, to a lot of people out there, but to me, he's my boy. He's fortunate that he's really talented and he's got a good support system around him to help him succeed, but he understands that football has to end at some point for everyone, right? And that when it ends, it won't be the only thing he's known for, but the impact that he has on the people around him and the relationships he carries are much more important than just the time playing football. Incredibly talented Jake Oldroyd. We hope he's back and able to kick very soon for BYU. He's going through some health issues right now, too, and BYU needs him, frankly. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU.